0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is The Root for Wisconsin Show, episode 127. Coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery Studio here in De Pere, Wisconsin, I'm host producer Eric Fisher, the biggie. Joining me this week, member of the Highway 22 crew, Sean Klaasman. Sean, how are you doing, buddy? Doing good. How are you? Fantastic. Plenty to talk about this week. Let's dive right in. Well, actually, before we dive in, as always, got to talk about our friends over, first of all, Reps Sports. Code ROOT4, R-O-O-T, number 4. Gets you 15% off any order for Raise Energy. And all the Rep Sports products, 15% off any order, R-O-O-T, number 4. Be sure to check them out. Also, our friends over at Rage and Pro Wrestling, RPW. Next event, RPW Homecoming 1 in Wapaka. That is November 3rd. Tickets available... Between now and then, tickets are going quick, so be sure to jump on those as quick as possible if you want to be attending. And go to the RPW social media pages for announcements, match announcements, different things like that, and updates, and I'm sure as the event gets closer, there'll be different things coming out. With that in mind, now we can jump right into it and talk about what we had rooted for in the last week that is brought to you by Fanatics Over 300 Plus Powered Stores. Including the NFL, show your love for your team in the new twenty twenty three season with hashtag NFL Kickoff or NFL twenty twenty three hashtag twenty twenty three NFL Kickoff fanatics. I don't think that's right either, but it's it's, it's in there somewhere. It's, some, it's some show time. your love for your team. Buy the gear. Go to the link in my Instagram bio for some discounts as well. Check that out, and that's at Fish twenty on Instagram. Be sure to check that out and rep your favorite team. Sean, I'm going to let you start this off with what had you rooted for in the last week? Think it think it was a Badger game on Saturday,
1: except for getting up early. That was the only issue. <laughs> but we had a, had a beer at 8.30, right? Yeah. 830. So it was an awesome, awesome experience. They won. It wasn't looking so hot in the first half, but
0: they ended up pulling it out and they covered, so That's all that matters. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll talk more about that as we get through the episode. I do want to add on it was a blast. I'm glad you got to come with and experience Camp Randall for the first time. Um, just to be a little different here, I'm going to change up my room for just a little bit because I forgot about this, but I want to shout it out here as well the Netflix series mini series Wrestlers. If you haven't seen this by now and if you're a you know a fan of our show, you need to check this out. It's it's a really cool I believe 7 episode uh mini documentary series about Ohio Valley wrestling. It used to be the WWE territory. It is now just its own promotion um You've got indie stars coming through. You've got talent that you've seen in RPW being featured throughout this documentary, most notably Haley Hood, or or Hollywood Haley J. Who has wrestled a few different matches in RPW and is the current OVW Women's Champion. Uh, This was filmed last summer, I believe. I'd have to confirm that and we are going to be able to talk about that in the coming upcoming weeks uh with ovw rpw wrestler you've had we've had him on the show tw3 we'll talk wrestlers we'll talk wrestling and we'll talk packers because he's a huge packer guy as well from green bay wisconsin um so we'll talk about that with him in a few weeks here but if you haven't checked it out ovw currently run by al snow wwe great It just kind of chronicles what it's like being an indie wrestling show and being a weekly, trying to grow a base, try to grow, you know, as an independent scene with RPW or with AEW and WWE being so big, um, and what it's like for the the quote unquote little guys, and being able to kind of have that notoriety, being the former WWE developmental program that. People like John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton, um, Batista, and, and numerous others were in that same arena that they go to every single Thursday, which you can watch for free on the Fight TV app every single Thursday. It's awesome production. Uh, I was able to check it out this last week for the first time in a while, so be sure to check them out as well, and, and check out the documentary. It's really cool uh tw3 is featured a few times throughout it in some of his different matches that he was doing as part of the shows i wish it would have featured him a little bit more because i think he does have a really cool story um and and maybe there will be more seasons because it was created by the same people who did last chance you and cheer i believe is the other netflix one that's the same people um so maybe they'll go through more seasons of it as they continue to do their own thing kind of give a unique perspective behind the scenes of a of a wrestling show. And maybe they'll pick other territories or other, you know, areas of the country where these, you know, these performers go out and do the same, you know, this, these different circuits, but are all kind of, you know, a lot of the same people doing the same circuit. So I think that'd be a really cool idea for them as well. Um, Netflix, if you're listening, just remember who you heard it from first. <laughs> uh, and for that matter, I got to shout out Hollywood Haley J as well. Just, On top of the world right now, um, after this documentary came came out, on top of, you know, the notoriety, on top of really kind of rising up, and you can kind of see her grow throughout the seven episodes, which is over the course of the summer. Um, Now, like I said, the current OVW Women's Champion, and actually to the point where it was confirmed over the weekend that she had to work at the WWE Performance Center. Yep. So... Just, you know, this speaks to RPW, the talent they bring in. I mean, less than a year and a half ago, Chelsea Green and Deanna Prazo were having a, a dream match at RPW. Two best friends and Chelsea Green and WWE. Deanna Prazo featured in Ring of Honor and Impact and, you know, all the other promotions. You get legitimate AEW stars and in RPW frequently um former WWE stars future WWE stars so if you're in there wrestling it's a very cheap way to see some of the future some of the past you know a little bit of both you know this coming at RPW homecoming November 3rd former WWE star Swoggle will be there wrestling in a match in his RPW debut so, just a really cool perspective on that. Um, so, very, very enjoyable. Um, so, be sure to check that out. But with the positives, do come the negatives, Sean. And that leads us to our Teller here, from Noogie of the Week. And I was struggling to find one. I am oh,
1: going... I, I'm not struggling. I found what, it. I got what do mine. you got? I'll
0: let you lead it off because I'm still kind of thinking of one here. I'm going WWE. Go on. Girl.
1: For all the budget cuts that they, that the budget cuts, even though they're making more money than they've ever, they ever have, and they're still cutting and firing people after this whole merger with the UFC. Well, what is it? What's the? TKO. TKO? Yeah. And now Vince is back in charge and yeah, that's just going to be my no I'm just going to leave it at that.
0: Fair enough, very much still in the wrestling world um I was as of Friday going to give my noogie to the Colorado state football coach, but to their credit, they came out and showed up against the Colorado buffalo uh, so i I am going to withdraw that as of right now like i can't I really can't think of one. You could give it the head coach noogie for
1: making Deion Sanders a whole bolt load of fucking money too.
0: I suppose. I mean, it was it was a wild start to a rivalry that I did not expect to be that intense. Right. I mean, but again, like I said, they 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 backed it up. I, I guess the noogie I would give here, um, you know what? I'm gonna give it to fans that message players, and I. I hate that we have to talk about this so frequently, but it happened twice in the last five days that things have escalated so bad. So I'm going to say this. So for those of you who don't know, um, Alexander Madison of the Minnesota Vikings, as well as the player... I'm glad we were able this up. Good call, Sean. Um, <laughs> as well, and I can't think of the, the kid's name, but the player who had the cheap shot on on Travis Hunter... Uh yeah. from Colorado State, both receiving death threats and racist messages and this, that, and the other thing. It's like first of all, this is a game right it's never been that serious, it's never going to be that serious, like I mean, even with as prominent as sports betting is, which this really didn't have anything to do with it, like that's you can be mad at the at the kid for giving a cheap shot to one of the most explosive athletes of, this, of the year and having having to miss three weeks or two to three weeks with a lacerated liver, which I didn't even know was possible. (laughs) But you can be mad at a guy for, you know, taking a cheap shot or, you know, a legal hit, but it's never worth threatening to kill somebody. No. Or in the case of Alexander Madison, yeah, he had a fumble. I mean, for fantasy football players, he, he didn't really do much. I have him on two teams and yeah, I'm sitting there like, you know, where the hell is this lead back that we were supposed to have as Devin Cook 2.0? But that's the extent of it. I mean, I'm sitting there maybe looking for a new running back on my fantasy team, but I'm not going to message the guy. Right.
1: Well, it's, that's the way everything's going now lately is everybody's too crazy about fantasy football and everything that way. So it's 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 the same thing with people being happy that Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Yeah. So like this is still a guy. He's still, he's still a human being.
2: So, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I it, it's just ridiculous and so, social media's kind of screwed everything for
0: athletes now. Well, and it's just like just because you have a way to talk to these people doesn't mean you should and it doesn't mean that you your opinion matters and like I, you know to even like i mean there's people who go out and like at you know they mention a player or they directly like tag the player and they're complaining it's like okay you might have a valid point and you might you know you're allowed to be upset you're allowed to have criticism at the same time like the guy's got coaches to, to yell at him you yeah. know a guy like kevin king no he deserved it <laughs> Don't even he, he deserved it <laughs> oh yeah. um I do want to also give a not a nugget, I, I like a reverse nugget. I don't know what that would be now it's not quite in group four territory but I gotta give a huge shout out here to Ian Eagle of CBS Sports for his call in the Travis Kelsey touchdown. Did you I didn't, hear this? No, oh my I didn't. god! So, Travis, th- there are rumors that Travis Kelsey is now dating or having fun with Taylor Swift. They got off a private jet together, so I would say. I right, but because it's not officially confirmed, I doubt that they're going to be listening to this podcast. But I don't want to get sued for insinuating something there that isn't. If you are, we can talk about it on new heights. That's true. I would – Jason and Travis, if you're listening and, and you want to tell me I'm wrong, have me on the show. We'll chat. I'll learn. Good call, Sean. I, always looking out, man. Oh. But anyway, so Travis Kelsey scores a touchdown. There's all this speculation, and you've got these the football world merging with Swifty Nation who are like, oh, what's that breakup album going to be like, or what's – You know, what kind of music are we going to get out of a Travis Kelsey relationship with an NFL star? Um, And so you've got all these two wildly different but equally rabid fan bases clashing and merging. So Travis Kelsey scores a touchdown. Ian Eagle in the TV broadcast for the Jags-Chiefs game says, Travis Kelsey finds a blank space and scores. That's funny. That and then the referee as well who um, in the Detroit Detroit Seattle game when Geno Smith got called for intentional grounding and he was trying to argue with the referee and the referee had the mic on. He was in the middle of announcing the penalty and the referee says, not now, I'm talking to America. (laughs) Which... I I'm not one. I I hate when referees interject themselves into the show and try to make it the ref show. That was so effing funny. How like it's just so sarcastic. And it's it's like genuinely funny. Right. Like you can't even really be that mad about it. So, I I wanted to add that in there too. So two reverse noogies, but not really quite root fors either. Can can we give a noogie for
1: the the broadcast of the Packer Falcon game for? the guy coming in and swearing like three or four different times which guy there every time they went up to the booth or something like that there must have been a fan fairly close or something like that and he kept kept fucking he kept yelling fucking bullshit and this kind of stuff and i don't know well i guess i shouldn't say it's uh it was a fan, but somebody was, and it got caught three or four different times on, on the broadcast. Really? You didn't, you didn't hear this? No, because I was probably agreeing with them. <laughs> oh, right. You were probably seeing it at the same time. It, it Well, okay.
0: I want to give – if we're going to give a nugget to that broadcast, it is wild how, like, when you watch a game for crews who aren't really that – connected to a franchise and really are kind of on the outside looking in how wrong they can be about different situations um I really don't even care
1: and I I can't
0: I can't really think of one from this last weekend like a specific instance but I know there was multiple occasions and I'm just well that's that's not right Wait. You know that's that's off. Yeah, I felt like the broadcast sucked this last Sunday, and it was announced today that that same crew will be in Green Bay this weekend. Oh, perfect. Well,
1: which at least I'll, be, I'll be at the game, so I won't care.
0: And, and for what it's worth, Kenny Albert is great. Like he's he's a nice guy. He's a good broadcaster, but he's also in the noon slot on regionalized games for a reason. Right. So I I don't know I I'm very I think he's very good at what he does, I like Jonathan Vilma right, as an individual color commentator, but I don't know who's feeding them their stats their information, but somewhere in that broadcast something is way wrong. Because who
1: that Vilma was the guy from Sunday?
0: Yes, I thought,
1: I thought it was Charles Davis.
0: No, it was Vilma and Kenny Albert. Okay, maybe I was watching a different. Or... Looking at a different
1: game, or thinking of a different game.
0: But I, I mean, Jonathan Vilma is a very easy guy to shit on and hate on because of the whole bounty gate situation. Right, but but st- yeah, I I think he brings some good to the broadcast as well. But great. I feel like they're being fed information either weirdly or wrong or just little things, and. It's, it's stuff that if you're just casually watching, you're not going to catch. Right. But when you care more than you probably should, like me, you're going to get annoyed by it. So I guess that maybe that's my own fault. But anyway, so we move on to our Wisconsin Web Story of the Week, our WWW segment. And, Sean, this week we're going to the wonderful city of Sheboygan. Oh, God. <laughs> um Double of the Midwest. The Malibu, the Midwest, and this huge news coming out of Sheboygan yesterday, Sean. Are you ready for this? I don't think I am. Sheboygan Brat Days making its return in 2024. Brat Days, okay. Um. So, Sheboygan, apparently every year, has a fundraiser called Brat Days. Uh, generally speaking, it's it's been in August, and they usually bring in a bigger band. I know a couple years back when I first started dating Shauna, it was actually Fozzy was okay. one of the bands I was supposed to play, um, which Chris Jericho of the Wrestling World didn't end up going from what I have heard from Shauna and from the different people I work with. It is not a group. The, not the best and brightest of Sheboygan residents that come to it. <laughs> well, but that, that, it, that seems to be like every festival and right. fair or whatever. You get a whole bunch of people come out of the woodwork. But uh, it did take a year off coming after, you know, for from April this year, they announced that they were going to revamp Brat Days and take a year off. And this is sponsored by the Sheboygan JCs. They had a fundraiser in July for the brat days. They call it the Sheboygan Early Bird Rotary Club Lobster Boil. <laughs> and brought in fifteen hundred dollars and that they had taken the year off. Um, last year Sheboygan all of JC's also had shared that brat days would take some other iteration after it was held for the 69th time. This coming from Yahoo News. Uh, that they had to reassess the event, which has been costly over the last decade to make it more successful and profitable. Costs ex- were exacerbated by a rainy year, the pandemic and increased prices. Broad Days is typically budgeted for at least $200,000. The JCs could host more fundraisers ahead of the 2024 event, slated for the first weekend of August, but nothing has been organized quite yet, she said. Uh Brought Days has been e- evolved since 1953, canceling in 19... 19- Canceling in 1966 because of drunken rowdiness. Temporarily holding the name German days in the early 70s and moving from downtown to Kiwanis Park. I probably butchered the name of that. I'm not sure if Sean is listening or not as I'm recording, but um, I'm sure I got that wrong. But So what will it look like, Sean? That is the question that Yahoo News posted. Uh, the spokesperson said that the JCs are looking to expand the family and carnival areas Downsize the music area from two stages to one. Several staples of Brat Days will return next year, including the Brat Eating Champ, Brat Eating Competition, the charity competition and scholarship program, and also that the parade and marketplace could be back. Um, though through Brat Days, one of the JC's largest fundraising events, more than three hundred thousand dollars has been donated to community organizations such as Sheboygan County Food Bank, Humane Society of Sheboygan County. Though Brat Days was expected to downsize for a weekend event, Quasis said the plans they're anticipating call for to span Friday night and Saturday with shorter hours. The last Brat Fest that was held was in 2022, was hosted from 4 to 11.30 p.m. Friday and 9 a.m. to 11.30 p.m. Saturday. Uh, Johnsonville is still expected to partner with the JCS on the event. Uh, the Sheboygan Falls-based company has been the title sponsor since 2004. So does it have anything more about the Brat Eating Contest? Um, I can look into I believe Joey Chestnut has won that. Is Really? Hmm. I believe so.
1: So it's actually, like, competitive then? Like, the competitive one? I am going to look into this to get the answer. It's not just, like, Joe Blow
0: off the street coming in and seeing how many Brats they can eat. I'm not sure. I am looking into that as we speak. Yeah, I could... Okay, so his, his bra eating contest was at in Cincinnati. So it is not this one, so I believe it is a quote unquote Joe Schmo one. Oh nice. So how do we enter? Um look. I'm I'm guessing you show up. Just show up. Yeah, I mean I, I can't envision that not being the way to do it oh here we go this is from the broad days website so i'm assuming this is 2022 stuff oh goodness gracious this is so it's a 15 dollar. so it's maximum 20 contestants so you gotta be there first come first serve oh jeez an entry fee of 15 dollars per person it's not bad mm-hmm. now keep in mind this is 2022 so maybe this will change maybe it's 20 yeah, maybe it'll go up. Uh, First-come, first-served basis, the first 20 applications with payment will be received, will be in it. Others will be placed on a waiting list. Uh, proof of identification is required on the day of the event. You must be over the age of 18. Kay. Must You must sign a waiver form on the day of the event. All contestants will receive a T-shirt and Johnsonville coupon for a free package of Johnsonville products. Entry fees are non-refundable. First responders will be on site. Uh, the first place prize, Sean, a $300, a brat eating trophy, a year supply of Johnsonville products, and $500 donation uh, to the charity challenge in your name. Nice. Second place is 150 and third place is 50 bucks. Nice. Uh, it's a 10-minute competition. First, second, and third place will be determined by the number of brats consumed. That means when we call time. What is in your mouth must be swallowed. Brats will be naked. There will be no buns or condiments. Oh, no buns or condiments. Uh, you may bring your own beverages if you don't want just water. No hurling or you'll be disqualified. you have to clean up your own mess and no cheating. Um, the past winners, uh, Frank Walk won in 2022 for 16 brats. 2021 was 14 and two-thirds. I feel uh, that like- was isn't it what's that i feel like that's doable isn't it in 10 minutes no bun right no bun no bun makes is a game changer right i agree i mean that's that's a lot of flavor though that's the only thing with brox is it's a lot of flavor um i so frank walk by the way this guy is all over this leaderboard so 2021, he finally got his win, or 2022, he finally got his win. He was 16 brats that year. 2021, he had finished second with 14 and a half. He finished point, what point, one sixth of a brat less because it's 14 and two thirds in 14 and a half. One uh, 20, Yeah, 2020 there was no con event. Uh, first place. He also got first place in 2019 with 17 brats. Who really he's slowing down? Uh, 2018, he had 15 brats. Finished second. The, the winner had 17 on that one. Um, the record in the last, since it's been going on since 2010, it doesn't go back any further than that. But the record was in 2015 with Teddy De La Cruz having 21 brats. Ooh, ooh, that might that that's not doable. That's two to a minute.
1: Over to a minute, technically. It, huh.
0: That's a lot of sausage. Great. Right. So Brock Dehes is back, and there's a possibility Sean will be entering this contest. Sean's not entering this contest. Eric is. I, you, that's, that'll be determined. We might have to have a bet on this, and whoever <laughs> loses has to do it. What we'll to figure something out worth betting? Sure. All right. So that is our www story of the week. What? Whoever finishes last in the podcast league. I don't hate that, but the only problem is we got people from out of state and people who may not agree. Maybe the last of all five of us co-hosts, but as of right now, Justin's not looking too good. Um, So, just uh, let's go through our standings real quick because this is what we do and. Uh, you know, the old the age old adage that nobody cares about other people's fans' of football, but we're going to go through it anyway. Great. So I will say this is the only league I lost in this week out of my five, including a 16 dynasty, team Dynasty League, which was widely helped out my cause by this Pittsburgh Steelers defense. Mm. But looking through. The Rupert Wisconsin League give an update on our our scoreboard from week two. Uh, Ramsey did beat me in a nail biter, 104.78 to 98.14. Sean goes to 0. So uh, Ramsey at 2-0. I'm at 1-1. One one. Sean falls to 0-2 after a 127.74 loss to the Lambo chef, Zach Leduvic. Uh, Zach now up to 1-1, one one, Sean at 0-2. Justin Dahl falling to 0-2. Tyson getting the win. He is now 2-0. That is 142.96 to 90.2. Justin, I don't even know if he has checked his lineup. Because um, I'm pretty sure he has Jonathan Taylor in his starting lineup. Or no, he has Alvin Kamara and Austin Eckler in his starting lineup. Uh, Alvin Kamara a four-game suspension. Austin Eckler uh, was declared out on Saturday. Secretary Shauna advances to two and oh in the early season with a 127.5 to 123.6 win over Jordan Fifield, who falls to one and one. Uh Shauna helped up by her defense on Monday Night Football with the two the twin bill on Monday night football. Uh Dave Muller beating Jordan Fields in Ohio all Ohio battle 109.54 to 105.78. Uh David goes to one and one Jordan Fields falls to 0 and 2. And Team Tornator Beats Mark 106.68 to 82.4. Not a good week for Mark. And got zero from his defense, 1.2 from the tight end, and zero from his wide receiver, two. So just a rough week all around for Mark. Uh, looking at the standings, so top three in each division, I believe. Is it top two or top three make it playoffs? Uh, top three in each division make the playoffs yeah. out of our twelve team leagues, So six of the 12 will make it. If the season ended today, which obviously doesn't because it's only week two. Uh, on the east side, Sha- Ramsey and Tyson are tied. Uh, tiebreaker for that one seed would technically go to Tyson based on points four. But it'd be Tyson, Ramsey, and the Lambo chef. And then on the other side, Shauna, Fifield, and Tony. At two and oh, one and one and one and one. And just taking a look here. Actually I take that back because it's not based on division, it's based on overall record. Because as of right now, I'm sneaking in the sixth spot. So go me. Love that for <laughs> me. <laughs> it's early. It is early. But I can also have to remind folks that I'm your reigning defending champion. Undisputed champion. Of the Rupert sure. Wisconsin League. Sure. So, week three coming up, we'll talk more about NFL and football in a little bit here. But just had to update the folks on our Facebook football league. So, with that, Sean, do you want to start Brewers? Do you want to start Badgers? Where do you want to start? Do you want to start south? Do you want to start middle of the state? Where should we go? Why don't we talk Badgers? All right. So, we'll start with the... The obvious uh, Badgers did get the win. They did cover the 21, and it was ugly. First we'll talk game, then we'll talk uh, our experience at Camp Randall, if that's okay with you. Yep. So just talking pure game, Badgers defense, very opportunistic. Uh, Let up a lot of yards in that game, Sean. Lots of yards. The The defense was getting thrown all over. They were getting run on, but able to get seven turnovers off the – off the eagles of georgia southern so kind of one of those survive and advance kind of weeks it was a really messy week all across college football and we'll kind of go through it here in a little bit uh, badgers were 35 14 winner um final numbers here from the badgers tanner mordecai the quarterback finished in 19 of 30 thirty-six yards braylon allen finished uh with the rushing leader 12 carries 94 yards two scores uh, Chamiri DK ends up being the leading receiver for the Badgers, three for fifty-seven yards, it looks like. Uh Ches Malusi also on the ground, fifteen of 60, 15 carries, sixty one yards of a score. Tanner Mordecai, seven carries, thirty-six yards, and two scores as well. So set five touchdowns through the air. Or all five touchdowns, I should say, through the air for the Badgers. Um, and then one pass thrown by Braden Locke, one carry or one pass for one attempt for an eight-yard completion. A couple 50-yard receivers, as I mentioned, Chimere Dike, Hayden Rucci, two for 51, Skylar Bell, five for 47, Tucker Ashcraft, two for 32, then uh, Will Pauling, one for 16, Sejal Williams, two for 15, Ches Malusi, two for 13, uh, Hakan Anderson, one for eight, which was the uh, Brandon Locke catch, and then Braylon Allen, two for five. Little misleading numbers, I think. Here, as a whole, uh, from this, the feel of that game. Um, first of all, credit to Braylon Allen, who only had four yards in the first half rushing. Mm-hmm. I believe he only had two or three carries as well at that point. Uh, I know Twit X was a you know kind of talking about where did Braylon Allen go? Just like every Sunday, people talk about where did Aaron Jones go. I will say Braylon Allen started the game in the medical tent. Uh, when the defense started on the field, so I don't know if there was some very minor tweak injury that just kind of needed to be addressed, or you know what the situation was. I'm not going to speculate because nothing was officially released by the team. But it is worth noting he was in the medical tent as the defense was on the field for the first drive. Uh, it very well could have even been something as simple as just having to take a piss or um, needing an ankle tape. You know we don't know, but just worth mentioning. So run game gets going a lot in the second half on both for Malusi and Braylon Allen started getting chunk plays, started kind of marching down the field. Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm still jury out on Tanner Mordecai. He makes a lot of throws. He misses a lot of reads though. Yep. I totally agree with you on that. No, I, I had not looked at these numbers until just now. It felt like DK had a few more catches, but only the three for 57. Uh, Skylar Bell led the way in receptions at five, which he should have had a lot more as that game went on. Yeah, you should have at least double that. Uh, Skylar Bell was all over the field. He was. And how football, I mean, football works where you have to go through your progressions and. If the first guy's open, you're throwing it even if the other guy is more open. Uh, There were a few reads that I was confused as to what Tanner Mordecai saw when he didn't, why he looked at a progression instead of going to the next one. Uh, One of the heavy critiques on him is that he gets a little antsy, especially with his feet. And I think that's very accurate after watching on Saturday and being there in person, uh, being able to see the whole field and, you know, Kind of look at things in real time from other than just the, you know what you can see on a TV broadcast. Um, I don't think he's a bad quarterback by any means.
1: Right, he's a he's a Wisconsin quarterback that we've had
0: since Russell Wilson. Well, he, even before that, you look at like John Stockwell, um, Tyler Donovan, Jim Sorge. You know, you can you can go w- way back. To the I nineties mean, with that same you know one year starter, very you know very good you know very good arm, not great, probably won't be an NFL guy Scott Tolzien, for that matter great that's, uh, that's, that popped into my head probably won't be an NFL guy very well could be playing like a usFL or xFL has a lot of talent, but just not consistent great. Um, I think they need a more explosive quarterback to really make this offense home. So you,
1: you thinking like a dual threat or are you thinking a guy that's gonna
0: sling the ball all over the place? And I think dual threat, it gets kind of a, a bad rep because of how it's used like in the NFL. I think a true college dual threat, like I I think of Russell Wilson would have been the perfect quarterback for this offense. Right. I I think of like, you know, like a Baker Mayfield or an air, you know, you kind of make these comparisons and, you know, Baker Mayfield and Aaron Rodgers aren't probably ever in the same sentence. Other than the fact of that, they're both mobile enough to, to be able to scramble and create on the run but also not have to rely on it either, where they're not going to be, you know, so, like, a heavy tendency to do so, like Lamar or even Drew Locke, for that matter, is a lot like that, where it's a lot... Daniel Jones is a (laughs) lot more scramble first. Yeah, Justin Fields another great example. Uh, A lot of these guys who, throughout their careers, have been scramble first, figured out later. Right. Um, But I look like a guy, even like a Josh Allen who, yeah, you know, you can live with a couple of bad throws and a couple interceptions, but being able to tuck and run if need be, being able to have play calls for tuck and runs um, as well, just I think that is enough to open up the box a little bit too.
1: You you could even throw Desmond Ritter, who the Packers just played this last weekend. He would be the perfect guy for an offense like this.
0: Jordan Love for that matter too. I, I, I would love to see, you know, in the same system as like what Jordan Love would do with the same system. And I will I will say I think Wisconsin is probably a year or so away from actually getting the talent to run this offense at its capacity, especially at the receiver position. Um Skylar Bell well you know not taking anything away from him or Chamiri DK or CJ Williams and Will Pauling. But I just don't think they're on that same level. Of what a quote unquote true air right offense could be, should be, etc. Um, I think you know, they're a lot like what the pack what we always talked about last year with the Packers with Alan Lazard. He's not a receiver one. He's a very good receiver that you want on an NFL team, but you don't want him to be your feature guy. Right. And I think Skylar Bell might be the closest of well at least from the game Saturday. Right. To what but, this offense can be, and Shamir Deka as well. They just didn't get the chance to really use him.
1: You you got to look at Skylar Bell as like your what a like your Randall Cobb to like your Jordy guy. You still need a guy that's better than him. to
0: top off the defense. Your Skylar Bell is going to be like your slot guy. Yeah, absolutely. So, but they're also missing a guy like a Deshaun Jackson or, mm-hmm. you know, just that, that true deep threat, which maybe Skylar Bell can be. We saw it in the Buffalo game. He did have the drop, but he got behind the defense with the speed. We saw him. I mean, the speed is not a concern with him. Yo, got you. And I think he is probably the closest to what this offense can need. Um, he is a only a sophomore as well. So projecting, I guess, in the right territory, right kinda of where you would want a young receiver to be. Shamir DK is a senior. Um, I feel like I would have liked to see Bordecai go to him a little bit more in the game, especially early on when they were struggling offensively. You know, let your let your six foot senior, six foot one senior go make a play for you. Right. You know, put him on, and maybe that's on Phil Longo, too. Let him run a, either a one-on-one route. And there was a couple of times I know where you said to me, you know, he is on a one-on-one route here. Let him go to work. And to the Georgia Southern credits defense, I mean, they they did they were very aggressive early on in the game to where they didn't let Mordecai get comfortable and they didn't let him sit in the pocket and let, you know, tamir Deka go to work but I feel like if that's the case of the game you have to be able to put him on a quick route on like an out route or a slant route and let him just bully ball cuz you're not going to have a a sunbelt cornerback being able to defend him right but I I
1: the issue the issue with the Badgers right now is they just they just can't get going in the first half Right. For half the, last, the first two games here have just been absolutely horrible. And I don't understand what the why, for all the talent they have, why it's taking so long to get going here.
0: You know, I almost wonder to what extent if it's Phil Longo getting out coached or out schemed where these defenses are being more aggressive for whatever reason. And, you know, for so long, for so long up to this point, Badger football has been pound the rock. You know, maybe the first quarter we won't beat you. Maybe not the second quarter, but the third quarter, the fourth quarter, we're going to wear you down. And that really seemed to be the flow of the game in a totally non-traditional way this last week. hmm And really even the Buffalo game, too, where it busted open in the second half. But it wasn't, I mean you can watch that game and see the offensive line getting pushed around the first half quarter, the right. second quarter.
1: And I think and, the, de- the defense not getting seven turnovers, this game
0: is a whole heck of a lot different too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're just talking offense so far, but that the defense, absolutely very opportunistic. And a lot of quote unquote arm punts where I don't think six, you know, with six interceptions and a fumble I think it's a very misleading number. You, I mean, you look at that on a box score, and you're like, holy shit, the defense, you know, they were all over the place. Yeah, they let up yards, but who cares? They must have been throwing the ball all over the place and whatever. And really, it was a lot of, like, third downs and mm-hmm. stuff where they, you know, t- try to take a shot, ball hung up a little bit too much, or quarterback got hit, and it was a bad, you know, came out wobbly, and a guy was opportunistic, which you have to do. Right. But I don't want to... Describe the Badgers' defense for that, but definitely was a case of the numbers don't tell the full story in that game. No, gosh, no. On both sides of the ball, um, because as the I think in the first half when they were struggling, you know, I know that you and I were pointing at different different things, like where different receivers were open, whether it was a bad read or just not having time to look at it or not looking through the progressions, or you know, whatever the case was. The off, you know, it almost seemed to flip where, and again, it was the halftime, it was halftime, mm-hmm. but I can't explain other than just, you know, either Longo getting too much in his own way and making, you know, I know everyone says halftime adjustments are overrated because you don't really have a whole lot of time at halftime. I, I respect that and I get it. But really, is a you know you have to point to it and say you know the Badgers' offense has been night and day different. Each of these first three games in the second half, is he you know is it just kind of slowly making the changes throughout the game and just kind of picks up at halftime? Or you know what's the cause? You know, and and that's the thing. Like you probably get more adjustments between possessions than you do truly at halftime. But it's also a nice chance to regroup. Right. So, I, I don't know. It's the Badgers do have their first Big Ten game this week. They will be on the road on Friday night at Penn or at Purdue, uh, which is currently a six-point favor to the Badgers. I predicted eight and a half on the way home for Madison. Um, so I'm pretty proud of that. I think I was within a, you know a couple points. But Purdue, at to this point, I believe they are one and two, uh, coming off a loss to Syracuse, where they lost that game, thirty-five to twenty, also losing to Fresno State, but beating Virginia Tech last week or two weeks ago at this point. So Fresno State beats them, Purdue bounces back, beats Virginia Tech. And then loses Syracuse. Two of those losses are both losses at home as well. Um, Hmm. Interestingly enough, so Badgers a six point favorite. That game Saturday or Friday night on FS1 at six o'clock. Keys to the game, Sean. I'm I'm thinking simple is Wisconsin has to start hot, actually start out and come out, you know, score right away and actually be able to play in the first half. I mean, looking at Purdue um, through their first three games, they're not afraid to score points. I mean, you look at the Fresno State loss; they lose that thirty-nine thirty-five, seven in the first quarter, fourteen in the third qu- or second quarter. I mean, that, that you could get down realistically to them pretty quick. It was in the first score that they had; they had the first score of the game, eighty-four yard touchdown pass uh, from Dion Bur or Hudson Card to Deion Burks, uh, second quarter. Deion Burke, 17-yard pass from Hudson Karts. Two touchdowns right there. You know, they're they're going to be able to pass the ball. They also run the ball looks like pretty efficiently. Um, you know, looking through their couple of different box scores here. But you have to be able to come out and play with these guys. I mean, that's that's simple. You gotta play a full four quarter game. Um the defense, I you know, kind of falling into that whole bad or you know, Packer method of the bend don't break. You know, try to force a mistake, which is fine against, you know, Buffalo and Georgia Southern and trying to do against Washington for the first half. But I think you've kind of got to come out and establish because the defense seemed like they were so much more aggressive in the second half as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first half, they're not getting home. They're only rushing, you know, three or four. It felt like almost every play they're dropping guys in coverage and they're getting exposed on third down. I mean how many times did we sit there on third and five or third and six mick? And yep, yeah, this is a first down. Right.
1: Because they just played off played off coverage and simple hitch route and they had five yards. Right. It didn't didn't make any sense what the heck what the heck they were doing for defense wise that way.
0: So but I don't know if this is just, you know, coming out flat every game and just, you know, that's I don't know if it's a coaching thing or very well even could be just you know, philosophy difference. We have to remember this team was seven and six last year. Mm-hmm. And you know, you talk about you know how the transfer portal has changed college football, but the Badgers do have a lot of holdovers from last year too. I mean, you you look at like the offensive line is, I believe, all guys who either started or played significantly last year. Uh, the running, the backfield is two running backs who've been here for a couple of years now, you look at, I mean, the quarterback is a transfer. You have one receiver that's a transfer or two receivers that are transfer, I should say. Uh, defensively, you have a couple of guys here and there that are transferred in, but you also have a lot of guys who are born and bred in the program. And truthfully have the program has declined since 2020. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a team that played for the Rose bowl two seasons ago. Right or three seasons ago now, and you know, twenty twenty one, you take a little it bit of. Most it was because uh, Ohio State was in the playoffs, so. Sure, but you still end up playing in it. You you play and almost beat Justin Herbert and the Oregon Ducks. I mean, that's still. I mean, you were in that game. You were, you know, with some of the top talent in the country, a top ten quarterback. You know, playing against. Right. And, you know, from that, then two short years later, you're seven and six. Yeah. I mean, it, or three years, I guess, at that point, because that, that was the 1920 season. This year was the 22, 23 season. So seven and six and playing in a bowl game at nine o'clock at night. I mean, there is there is a lack of – you no, know, not a lack of talent, but there is some gaps in talent that hasn't – it's not going to be filled overnight. And it's going to take recruiting. It's going to take probably, you know, another group of transfers coming in next season as well. Um, and kind of just getting that mesh back and getting to what Luke Fickle wants to run. The same thing happened in year one at Cincinnati. And that's that's typically what's going to happen. You're not often going to have programs – you know, Colorado 3-0, and but really, I mean – they beat TCU, was ranked, what, five in the country at the time, but probably shouldn't have been. You beat Nebraska, who wasn't that good last year, and you have beat Colorado State in double overtime. Big test coming up for them this week against Oregon. Mm-hmm. So you don't really see that, you know, huge jump in one year, even with the transfer portal and a new coach, at least not in football. You see it in basketball, I guess, but not, not in football. Right. Basketball is a lot different than football, but, but anyway, Sean, taking a look through a couple of these games. Uh, you know, I, I think the Badgers, I think they will win this week again. Um, I think they cover the six again. Hopefully it's not ugly. You know, your, your fingers crossed that they're able to kind of force quarterback Hudson card. Who's a six, two junior from Austin, Texas. To make a couple bad throws, he's 825 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, Uh, QBR 53.6, which is 73rd in the country. Uh, Not much better for Tanner Mordecai right now currently, but uh, you look at the ground game, uh, really it it comes down to stopping, actually, Deion Burks. Nine catches for 221 yards, Sean. Average of 24.6 yards. Three touchdowns. Um, couple, kind of looks like a two-headed running back situation with uh, Devin Maccabee who's a six-foot senior, 409 carries, 186 yards, two touchdowns. Um, trying to find the other cat who scores for them as well. But, yeah, uh, their other running back looks like they've actually kind of got three guys, and then uh, Card mixes in a little bit as well. But you got to limit the big play against Burks, which the Badgers secondary hasn't been amazing so far. Opportunistic, but not locked down. Not locked down like we're used to seeing. So, got to lock down a little bit on Burks. Force card to maybe boost that interception total. And basically try to force them to beat you on the ground. Because I don't, you know, taking a look at their, their running situation, I don't, believe in i mean their leading running back is averaging 3.8 a carry which isn't a slouch by any means but when you compare that to what the badgers do which like Chess Malusi is the leading carrier and now 6.7 per game or per carry uh braylon allen just behind him at seven actually ahead of him per carry at 7.1 per carry And 13 yards last, he has 255 yards on the young season. So play your game and really just not let the big play beat you like Purdue wants to do, it looks like. Right. So Badgers, I think they cover the six. Yeah, I think they finally get their head out of their ass and start playing like they should be. Uh, Looking around, the rest of the Big Ten, uh, Rutgers, Michigan – at the big house on Saturday morning, Michigan a twenty-four point favorite in that one. Um, looking at the future Big Ten as well. well, I'll just I like counting them in here. It's kind of fun. Uh, Colorado Oregon, the game we just talked about. Oregon a twenty-one point favorite to open that one up, um, which without Travis Hunter, I, maybe right. You got to figure Dion's gonna bring everybody ready to go. That game, prime time—well, not prime time, but uh, your afternoon two-thirty game on ABC—that is gonna be must-watch Saturday afternoon if you have the opportunity to do so. Uh, UCLA and Utah battle the three and O's. That game at in Utah. Utah is a four and a half point favorite to possibly give you or UCLA their first loss. Looking at the rest of the the Big Ten slash future Big Ten. And also, just while I'm here, uh, Georgia, number one team in the country, after surviving a scare on Saturday, facing the University of Alabama-Birmingham, the one and two, the Dragons. Georgia, 42-point favorite back at home. Ohio State has their yearly matchup with Notre Dame this week, 6.30 Saturday night. Uh, Ohio State a three-point favorite on the road there. Only three? Only three. Iowa and Penn State. Uh, Penn State, a 14.5 point favorite at home to knock off Iowa. USC back in action this week. They will be traveling to Arizona State. USC, a 35-point favorite in that one. Holy man. Uh, Washington hosting California. Washington, a 21-point favorite on that one after their ass-kicking of... Michigan State, uh, rest of the big ten here, Illinois hosting Florida Atlantic. they're a fifteen point favorite. Michigan State hosting Maryland, Maryland a seven and a half point favorite. Nebraska hosting Louisiana Tech. Nebraska 20 point favorite. Uh, Indiana hosting Akron, Indiana at one and two, Akron at one and two. the Hoosiers a one and or sixteen point favorite. And then Minnesota hosting Northwestern with Minnesota on the road after their first loss, looking to bounce back as an 11 and a half point favorite. So full slate of Big Ten games for you, starting Friday night with the Wisconsin Badgers traveling to Purdue. Sweet. All one, right. So that is the X's and O's of the Badgers. Let's talk about the Camp Randall experience, Shauna. I've been there four times. I've been there once in the student section, twice uh, with Shauna's aunts and uncles' uh, season tickets, and now once with the tickets that we sat in. Uh, so, I, I've been very vocal on on Camp Randall. So, I want to ask a couple questions here of you. And I know we, I kind of, you know, we kind of talked about this on the ride home from Madison. So, first and foremost. I want you to give, if you have, you know, just kind of a couple of thoughts here on the overarching experience of of a Badger game on a Saturday. It, what's it, Madison like? If you've never been there, what's Madison like on a Saturday?
1: It was a totally different feeling because you could tell that everybody wanted to be there. It wasn't one of those things where they're doing it for just to go say they went type, type thing. Everybody wants to be there there's there's young people, there's old people. there's everywhere in between. and it was just it was just so cool to see how many season ticket holders or season yeah, season ticket holders that are there. Uh-huh. You know, all that kind of stuff. Wish we would have walked around the stadium a
0: little bit more, but we really can't to see I wish. I wish I could have showed you around, like, the outside of the stadium more, I think that's a better right feel so of we, it. We should, we should have walked around the stadium a little bit more, but we can do that next time. Right. Um, so with that in mind, so Camp Randall is pretty much dead nuts in the middle of Madison. There's not, like, a true parking lot or anything like that. Um, the team comes in on buses, mm-hmm. which is really cool. They have, you know, police entrance and stuff like that. So... Kind of like Lambo. I mean, Lambo does have a couple parking lots, but really, you know, you park in people's driveways. You park in, you know, business parking lots, and you, you know, you pay the business for the parking. You don't pay like a parking lot per se. So we'll kind of go through this piece by piece here, Sean. We, we you know, we parked in a church parking lot. We walked past some of the fraternities. What is what is Sean's mindset as we're walking past, you know, all these people and you know, going past just houses? It 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 just was different, I mean,
1: from, you can tell that it's an old stadium, or old, everything, everything was old all the way around it, compared to some of these new stadiums that get built, and they're in the middle of nowhere, and have how many things around it, but it was just, I don't know, it was, it was just cool. It's pretty much, pretty much what, it, what it boils down to. It was a cool experience. Seeing, seeing all the fraternity kids playing all the beer pong and everything like that out in the front yard and just having a grand old time at 8.30 in the morning
0: was just cool. All right, a couple more questions here for you. Um, your thoughts on the fan involvement of the game... Uh, you know, if you watch TV broadcast, you hear some of them. You don't hear other ones for different reasons. Uh, so first and foremost, I had to kind of get you t- taught on on First and Ten Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. But just kind of your thoughts on, on that feeling of, of, the, of the game and, you know, the student section with the keys and the each hit fuck you chant and yeah. and it all that.
1: Just, it was just cool. And then to finally see you do the wave instead of being a little baby about it the whole time like you normally are.
0: I don't think I'm a baby about it, but I I do you're, do it for Badger you're games. Baby about it. Um, it's okay. You can admit it. The only downside I think was that during the slow version, that there was the interception. It kind of ruined it. Yeah, it did, but it was still pretty cool. Um, but yeah, just kind of seeing. But credit to Badger fans and the student section for actually doing it when you're supposed to, when the defense is on the field. <laughs> that cannot be understated enough. Of just having the wherewithal of when to do so. Oh, yeah. But the only time you will ever see me do the wave is at, at a college football game. And, and maybe not even every college football game, Just can't handle. But.
1: It, it was just cool getting in on some of the cha- the chants and that kind of stuff. And It would, it would be a
0: totally different experience going and being in the student section, too. All right, two more questions here first, Sean, just to kind of cover everything about it. The band. You know, having a band oh, and, and the performance. I love the, I love the band. It was so cool.
1: To see the alumni band and have all them come out before before the game, and still do what they do, and you you laughed at me because I was taking videos of the band. I'm like this. It was just so cool to watch the watch the band and to watch I, the, the the
0: dude the baton twirler guy, the drum master. Oh, the drum master. I I can't get that wrong anymore. I I just call him the band pimp, but master or drum major drum major yes drum major okay. um I, i'm gonna be honest and and i know shauna's probably you know if she listens to this or if any of our pet band folks and and band folks are listening i am still not convinced they do shit like shauna's like yeah they help keep the time and stuff well first of all you have four conductors out there can't tell me that these people and that they practice, they have all these routines and stuff. You can't tell me that these you know, these kids that are the best of the best of the you know, of Wisconsin music and all that, they don't know how to keep rhythm on something. I, I mean I can't keep rhythm for shit, but I'm also not claiming to. You know, these aren't amateurs, these are, you know, kids who are you try out. Right. So you can't convince me that these kids can't keep rhythm or keep time on different, whatever. I'm just convinced that the, the drum major is a is a hype man. It's pretty well possible. And I, I know I'm actually probably wrong on that, but I think when, you know, you can say he keeps time or whatever and that he keeps the rhythm, but then he's throwing the baton 30 feet in the air. He's doing like a limbo and like on his back, almost the knees. And he's sitting there, you know, they had like a Hispanic music theme and he's, Dancing to different songs, like that's that's not keeping the rhythm. Like he's having a grand old time and I'm here for it. I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on the guy. Or gal, you know, depending on the school. But do we can we pretend that it's not something and it's not? Like that guy's awesome. That guy's a pimp. Mm-hmm. He's got the baton, yeah, exactly. the cane, whatever. He's got the big fluffy hat. Gold. It really was, like, if there were three things I could do at a Badger game, like if I was to actually be involved, first of all, probably Bucky, even though Shauna hates mascots, but Bucky's iconic. You couldn't um, do the pickups. No, I couldn't. But I'm just saying that that's goal one. <laughs> goal two, that little fire, the, or actually four goals. Goal two is that fire truck that brings the team out with Bucky. That seems yeah, that fun. Was good. That was um, goal three. I want to shoot off the T-shirt cannon. That thing's cool as shit. They had Riley Green there, country music singer, and I—I'm I, assuming he played Madison because it was kind of a random get on, you know, for that Saturday night. But disappointed they didn't wheel it all the way around the stadium, though. They just did
1: it for the student section.
0: Yeah, well, that's who these are supposed to be for, right? But and then and goal four would be the drum pimp. But also, I also know that my knees would not be able to do that shit. Where the guy's sitting there, like, like the dude. For those of you who haven't seen like a pep band, like a college marching band play, like the dude, he's sitting there, like he puts the baton down, and he's like bent over backwards, and like the knees, it's like he's doing like the limbo, and it's maybe a couple inches off the ground. I don't know how that's physically possible. I mean, I'm assuming that guy's probably as sore some of the players the next uh, day. Right? figure the band's probably just as sore as some of the players. Oh yeah! I mean, they've got routines, they've got their spelling shit, they're doing different things, like... All that. Anyway, last question here, Sean. Your first jump round at Camp Randall. I was so excited to do it, I forgot to film it. I was supposed to film it for some
1: co-workers. Yep, so excited to do it, I forgot to film it. it was I'm... It was just cool.
0: Not even trying to be a snob, but this is going to sound kind of snobby because they played at Badger games or Brewer games. They played at Packer games. It's just not the same. No, it isn't. And, like, you can get hype with it. You can get, you know, it's played at weddings. It's played at dances. And and just about almost any function you can think of, it is just different at Camp Randall on a Saturday afternoon.
1: Right. I can only imagine what it would be like on a Saturday night.
0: Oh, I know.
1: Um,
0: yeah, so I, I, I was... I mean, uh, the, I'll say this.
1: Five old ladies next to us were doing jump around.
0: Yeah. And they were just having a freaking blast with it. It's always funny to me, or curious to me, on if the coach on the opposing team is going to let their players do it. Right. And... Georgia Southern at that point, I mean, the game kind of got out of hand at that point, or was just about to get out of hand. So I, I can very much see them not doing it. But it's always kind of fun, especially with these like non-traditional opponents. Like, you know, it's one thing if it's you know Minnesota or like the Axe or if it's Nebraska where they're here every other year or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when you get that team that's in Camp Randall for the first time, it's one of the biggest traditions ever, you know, of all across college football. It's always interesting that Georgia Southern players didn't do it, but a credit to their little fan section, which was very loud for being loud. Very, very loud, Small little section. Um, they they were in on it. They were a big fan of it too. So, mm-hmm. shout out to them, uh, for being for first of all coming to to Wisconsin. I'm assuming that is a travel section. Great. but yeah, all all in all, um. I'm glad that you got to have that experience because it is, it is something I urge any Wisconsin-based sports fan, any college football fan, to go to Camp Randall, and experience college football, because you don't even have to. I mean, you know, you said it earlier, Sean. It's not like a status thing. Like you, you know, people are there because they love Badger football. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like also a bucket list thing in a way too, because across all board and i I know every school or all the big schools have this you know you you know you have this the the fifth quarter you have the students singing like um um
2: what song is it
0: Sweet caroline no no the other one why do you build me a bit buttercup build me a buttercup yeah But you have them singing that and keeping it up after the DJ cuts it out and, you know, so many things that make the college football experience in Madison unique. But unless you go to it, you can't even really fully describe every part of it. No, you can't. TV doesn't do it justice. No.
1: And like you're engaged the entire game. hmm And it was cool cool with them doing all the Hall of Fame announcements too during the game. That was another cool thing that they, they did done just to show that Wisconsin's more than football, more than basketball, more than hockey, more than a lot of things. Right. So I don't know. Great experience.
0: Would go again. Very good. All right, let's travel east a little bit, Sean, to the Milwaukee Brewers, who currently, as of recording here right now, are up 5-3 to three on the St. Louis Cardinals, have lost two straight, uh, coming off a series opening loss to the Cardinals. Last night, Adam Wainwright gets his career win number 200, and then a C- series... Closing loss over the weekend, uh, that coming at home against the Nationals, a 2-1 loss in extra innings on Sunday. But overall, still for the last 10 games, the Milwaukee Brewers are 6-4 and four in the last 10. Even with the losing twice, they are a six-game lead in the NL Central. Uh thanks to the Cubs being two and eight in their last ten losing five straight. Brewers magic number down to seven. Cubs are actually up on Pittsburgh right now. Uh four-nothing. They just extended their lead in Chicago. But four zero lead for the Cubs on the north side. Uh that game in the going to the top of the third. But Overall, the Brewers have been once again just kind of keep on keeping on. Um, five three, like I said, five three right now, trailed early on downward, trailing two zero, kind of going with the bullpen game once again tonight. Uh, that game it started with Trevor Miguel on the hill, he threw for one inning, three hits, two runs, two earned, one walk, two strikeouts. Uh, Colin Ray has been on since then, he's through as of right now, four and two thirds actually. So they must have got the out. Um, my TV broadcast a little bit behind, but that's what happens when you stream. There it is, ground up monasterio. Um, who throws out? Newt Bar going to first. A four three put out to Carlos Santana. But taking a look through, uh, doing this really without Christian Yelich, who's been battling some back soreness the last few days. Um, will not go on the I.L. after today's workout. Brewers were set to make a decision on him. They are encouraged by the progress he made. So he has played one game. I believe he played Saturday or Sunday um, after taking a few days off throughout last week. But tonight, I believe all five runs coming in the – they scored one in the third and – that was a William Contreras home run. He continues to hit and really lead this team offensively, uh, hitting 283 for the season now. And then in the fourth, exploding for four runs, um, starting with a—beginning started with a Willie Domus double, was promptly brought in by a double by Josh Donaldson, who then scored on a Tyrone Taylor double, who then scored on a Sal Frey double. So back-to-back-to-back to back to back doubles, if I'm not mistaken, uh, gave the Brewers a 4-2 lead, at, or 4-2 lead at the time. And then it was a fielder's choice by Mark Canna to eventually score Sal Freilich. And the Brewers had a 5-2 lead. Uh, Cardinals did bounce back with a run in the bottom half of the fourth, or bottom of the fifth, excuse me, Richie Palacios homered on a fly ball just out of South Raelic's reach. And it looks like after five or four and two-thirds innings pitched for Colin Ray, it'll be Hobie Milliner coming on to finish off the sixth with a man on first after a single uh, to right field. So that is tonight's game. Um, really, I mean, we talk about, you know, kind of looking back on the weekend, Sean, it was Friday night or really looking even back at the last years with Miami. We recorded last Tuesday. Brewers got a 3-1 win. win. It was a 0-2 loss on Wednesday. Thursday bouncing back for the 4-2 win. A 5-3 win on Friday against Washington. Uh, Thanks in part to Carlos Santana with two home runs in that game. Uh, Inching closer, he is one short of career number 300. And some moonshots for him. Brewers the five three win on Friday, a nine five win on on Saturday, thanks in part to a late home run, a f two out grand slam by Mark Hanna, and what probably may go down as the moment of the season. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you look at, you know, you can talk about the Brewers, you know, just, you know, being able to load the bases on the pitcher that they did and then Canna seeing the first pitch of uh sinker that he was able to drive. And one of the cooler bat flips I've seen in a while as well, worth yep. mentioning, and with the lights and everything like that going too. So a uh, huge moment for the Brewers to get that huge win. On Saturday, that brought the magic number down to eight at the time, with the Cubs losing in a late extra inning game that night as well. Out in Arizona, getting swept by Arizona, um, which actually would have knocked them out of the playoffs at the time. Cubs currently hold the last wild card spot after that series, um, and getting a little bit of help yesterday with the off day, but... They have fallen quite a bit in that playoff standings, especially over this 2-8 and eight skid over the last 10. Uh, Brewer's, like I said, a three-game set here over St. Louis, or four-game set over St. Louis, and then a three-game set on against in Miami, which, if I'm being honest, I really hope the division is locked up by the end of this set, this road trip. Yep, um, that's what you're hoping for. Finally, an off day on the 25th after 17 straight games next Monday will be the off day. Much needed off day and get ready for that final six-game set at home. Three against the Cardinals, three against the Cubs. Cubs very well could be fighting for any form of life at that point for the playoffs, maybe fighting for a seeding matchup. You know, we really don't know uh, because they have struggled the last – couple weeks here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I feel, I feel like the Brewers have struggled too, but they're still somehow eking out wins here.
0: They are, and even in their struggle, you know, I think this is the first time they've lost two games in a row going back to September 3rd and 4th where they dropped a a game three to Philadelphia on a Sunday and a game one to Pittsburgh. So the first time in three weeks mm-hmm. that you dropped two in a row and kind of the same situation uh, prior to that, it was September or August 29th and 30th when they lost two in a row. Uh, they have not lost three in a row since August 15th through the 17th, which was a three game sweep against the Dodgers. Which, that one makes sense. And so, I mean, if you're talking in over a month that you really haven't had a... not even significant losing spell, but more than two games, that's very impressive. Right. Um, And just, again, you know, the Brewers, for all intents and purposes, I mean, they're not... I mean, the Braves are having a historically great year. The Dodgers are right on their tail, basically, um, in terms of a, another great year for them. But the Brewers, I mean, the the NL Central has been knocked down a lot as being a you know mediocre or subpar division all year. But really, I mean, eighty four and sixty six, with just under two weeks to go, sitting at a fifty six winning percentage. Which, I mean, obviously, like I said, it wouldn't be either the top two teams in the National League. I think that's kind of, uh, you know, an, a foregone conclusion. Those are going to be your top two. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, even when you look at the American League, right on par with Houston, right on par with Minnesota, or, yeah, significantly better than any team in the AL Central. And then, I mean, you're having two historically great seasons from Baltimore and Tampa Bay. In the AL East, right. So nothing to hang your hat on at this point. Like I mean, the Brewers look like a legitimate first place team. They're finding different ways to win games, whether it be comebacks late or you know just throughout the game. You're seeing, you know, I we talked last week about the stat of how the Brewers lead the league in three plus runs scored innings without a home run. And just how frequently that happens. I mean, just even looking at tonight, they get another one with a four-run fourth inning without a home run.
2: Right.
0: You should have, uh, you know, a handful of doubles. Only one home run tonight with the the William Contreras home run. So, I, you know, honestly, I think that's... The Brewers have been so reliant on the home run the last couple of years, which you'll take them when you get them. I mean, you're never going to complain about a home run. But at the same time, I mean, you can... Manufa- you're truly manufacturing rungs right now, which is exactly what's been missing the last handful of years.
1: Yeah, and you got a three-headed
0: monster in your pitching staff to go in the playoffs too, when you really only need three starters. Absolutely. Uh, Hoping Miller did get out of the bottom of the sixth uh, with a fly ball that was caught by, uh, I believe it was Freilich and Center. No. Yeah, Freilich in center. Um, so, actually, Blake Perkins at center field tonight for the Brewers. So, uh, Blake Perkins running down the fly ball to end the sixth. The seventh inning will be Santana, Adamas, Donaldson, which very quietly, Josh Donaldson, I mean, I know Brewers fans, and I know we've had this discussion we had it last week, very mixed on what he'll do for this team and you know if if he's going to continue being a possibly you know clubhouse cancer or whatever Um, he's hitting about 250 only the one home run so far but significantly better than he did in his time at the Yankees so by no means I think in his last 10 which is it's not a full well it's his last seven games He's 5-for-22, which I think is pretty much all the time he's been with Milwaukee. 5-for-22, a home run, three RBIs, four walks. Which I think is exactly what you kind of need out of a guy like him. Right. I mean, I don't think you're ever going to complain about that. You just hope that the head's on right and... You know I'm sure, you know I, I this is I said this to on Saturday. I'm sure, you know he's able to kind of look at the writing on the wall and kind of like, you know, this might be his last go around, his last chance of a, you know, for any sort of push here. Uh, but like no by no means is the guy a slouch. I mean, the stats are what they are. Career, he's a career 200 or 262 hitter. So it's not like he's Lighting the world on fire with the average, but he is a former MVP, three-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, AL Hank, he won the Hank Aaron Award in 2015, Comeback Player of the Year in 2019, and the RBI Leader in 15, which was his MVP season uh, with Toronto that first year in Toronto. But no World Series, you know, no real postseason talk about. So... You kind of, like I said, you kind of look at it. The guy's been in the big since 2010, really 2012, made his debut in 2010. But mm-hmm. kind of that last rodeo guy 37 years old, turned 38 later this year. Kind of get the, keep the head on straight for a couple months and just try to help a young team win games. Right. That's all we need. So. I'm still excited by it. I I love that he's actually producing. I do think that the Brewers are in a position where if he stops producing, they have guys to call up, Um, which, while we're talking about call-up, Sean, real quick, uh, Jackson Chorio getting the promotion to AAA today. Uh, So right now the, the Nashville Sound starting outfield, Sean, is Garrett Mitchell, Joey Weimer, who got called down, not hitting and not really getting consistent at bats, so it just kind of is what it is. But Joey Weimer, Jackson Chario, and and Garrett Mitchell—that is a that's a legitimate like MLB starting outfield in probably about two three years. Great. Right. Where any one of those guys could be would be high could be high producers. Yep. Uh, Garrett Mitchell did start his rehab stints late last week where he was medically cleared, which nobody thought would happen when he first got hurt. So very interesting to see if he ends up getting a roster spot here for this playoff push and potentially in the playoffs. Um, Kind of a spot right now with that Blake Perkins spot, you know, nothing against him, but I mean, the writing's kind of on the wall, right? Like that's very likely going to be that Garrett Mitchell spot. Once the rehab stuff is kind of taken care of. Right. You'd more, more than likely think it. But things are kind of getting exciting, Sean. Brewers have an over 90% chance to make the playoffs. The magic number, to, I believe, to get in the playoffs itself is at six. So then they would play the six seed then? Correct. They would be the locked in at the three because, yeah, the overwhelming odds are they're not going to catch the Dodgers and the Braves. I mean, it's not... Technically impossible, but I'm I'm gonna play the odds on that one. Right. It would take a historically awful stretch by them and a historically off awesome stretch by the Brewers to make it happen. Um, I guess nothing I would ever rule out in in Craig Temper. <laughs> right. When you think back to when Yelich got injured a few years back and they won like 19 out of 22 or something like that to finish the season, make that wild card push in 2019. I don't ever rule it out. I don't count on it, but. Right. I would love them just to be able to finish this out and like I said, really aiming for them to have this, this, that postseason spot locked up by the time they come back home next week. Yep. Hopefully it happens. One other piece of Brewers news quick, Sean, while we're talking about them. um a lot of chatter throughout the season about potentially looking at the team moving or you know what stadium renovations uh which you know i've also, I've always written off as kind of just posturing and political nonsense on both sides, but uh no to this point, I don't believe a deal has been officially reached, but the Republican legislature. Uh, has brought forth a a proposal which would give the brewers six hundred and forty four million uh dollars over the course of the next twenty seven years to keep the brewers guaranteed to be in Milwaukee to twenty fifty Wow um, also coming just as we're i'm kind of going through Twitter or x or whatever Jackson Chorio's first triple A hit is a double of the absolute field. Very exciting for him there as well. But I, I don't believe the deal has been officially reached. I, I, it's kind of odd because you'd think that those numbers have to be kind of agreed upon by the Brewers and you know the majority in, in the legislation. Like you're not just kind of throwing that out there. You'd think. But at the same time, um, it does have to go through legislation and be signed in by the governor and a whole bunch of stuff with that too. So there are steps to go for it but it sounds like all-but-a-done deal to keep the Brewers here in Milwaukee or here in Wisconsin through 2050. Right. Which is going be, gonna to be good. So, that's the last piece of Brewer news here. Um, and then, as they now are in the bottom of the 7th, Abner Uribe on the bump to try to get this to the 8th. Uribe, as Brewer fans probably know, the flamethrowing rookie... Who obviously he doesn't have any walk offs like some of the all the other rookies appear to, but some big moments on the mound as well. Uh, Face is kind of the that murderer's row of this Cardinals lineup. Goldschmidt and to lead this off, it'll be Goldschmidt, Baker, Arenado for the Cardinals here in the
2: seventh, which.
0: You know, you watch this guy's stuff and how how the hell do you even try to hit it? It's 99, 100, 100, and 102. Then he flips an 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 89-mile-an-hour curveball. Right. How do you even see it?
2: So that just leads us to our
0: Packer talk. And Packers do fall this week to 1-1 and after a loss. To the Atlanta Falcons, 25-24. Very up and down game emotionally. Uh, starting off, you know, kind of start off with Jordan Love continues to look pretty dang good. Not, you know, still not great, but pretty dang good. Three more touchdowns, no interceptions. You know... Did not have his wide receiver one. Did not have his starting left tackle. Did not have his starting left guard for most of the game. And also missing running back number one in Aaron Jones. um, All of which legitimate enough concerns to kind of give you pause. I know when we had talked last week, we made our picks. It was a two-point Packer favorite going in. Um, I believe they... Closed as an under, I think a two or three point underdog on the road. So if you would have, you know, if you wait on that, you're betting them to win, or they do cover with the one point loss. Um, I guess kind of your overall takeaway is first starting with the game on on Sunday.
1: Uh, I I think Atlanta is going to be a pretty good team this this year all the way through the year. I don't think this was a bad loss for the Packers. I think you throw Aaron Jones in there. I think the game, you do turn the game around. Just of how dynamic he is. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But the defense needed to play better. Couldn't stop the run. Couldn't do anything with the run. I mean, it was just... I think the defense is the issue more so than the offense, which I thought we were going to have offensive issues this year and the defense is going to be good, but it's seems like it's kind of flipped.
0: Certainly. Um, do you want to ask you a couple things on, on your thoughts here? And I'll, I'll give mine as well as we go through here, but big criticism kind of coming from parts of the game. Uh, let's start offensively is talking about the kind of, I guess, I think the right word, downfall, or yeah, probably downfall, the right word for AJ Dillon and not being as successful in the role that he, as fans feel that he should be. Um, I mean, a lot of lot of negativity on on Twitter or X, whatever. Um, a lot of negativity towards him. Not a true running back. One. Packer should have traded him for Jonathan Taylor, you know, this, that, the other thing. I'm going to start off with, I don't think he's that bad. I can see where Packer, I mean, he's, he runs very up and down, right? Like, he's not, he's not shifty. He's not, he, he loses his footing a lot. Hmm. You know, you don't have to, you know, he's a guy who should be able to run low center of gravity and bowl through people and just doesn't. He 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 just needs to slow down half a step. And he'd be fine. Right. Um, I do want to say also, I don't think a lot of this last week was on him. I think that the Falcons defense, knowing that Bakhtiari wasn't playing and with Elton Jenkins going down with the potential MR or um, MCL sprain or whatever it was, I think doesn't help him at all. And no. uh, you know, you really can't get going. And you know, a guy like him, he is schemed to be a compliment back, right? To your home run threat, not be your quote unquote lead back. And I think yeah. I think he would have been fine. In the long run, you know, kind of they play five quarters. I mean, kind of starting to to go downhill more and and whatnot too. But I, I don't think it's a huge knock. The guy just he's not Aaron Jones. That's okay. Right. I mean you you don't need.
1: I mean I don't I don't even know if Aaron Jones would have had that great of a game against this Atlanta defense. You figured he probably would have got he would have got his norm. He probably would have went over. 80, 75, 75 to 100 yards, but it would have been tough.
0: I think where Aaron Jones makes a difference in this game is probably just the fact that he probably would have had to been involved in the passing game. Yeah. And that's, that's the difference with the two, is that you can get a little bit more out of him. He's a little bit more shifty. He can do a little bit more, have a little bit more play is called for him where it's more of a, you know, a read as opposed to a true, you know, you think about, you know, going back to like high school football where it's, you know, this is the hole, this is the back, this is what it's going to be. Whereas Aaron Jones can run more of a zone scheme and say, hey, here's the gist of where you should be. Go. Right. So. I think that helps him out. And I think like I said, just being able to use him a little bit more in that passing game kinda of opens things up. Um and for that matter I think the passing game that again, Jordan Love looked pretty good, not great. Missed on a couple throws, but also hit some big ones too. Um hell of a game from Jaden Reed. Getting his first two NFL touchdowns and Dontavian Wicks for that matter getting his first. Um I'm a little bit bummed that they stopped going after Trey Flowers. I think they could have run fly routes and got past interference, touchdown, down on him almost every every play they ran out there. I know that you can't do that. It's not Madden. that You can't just Great. keep doing that. But when it happens as frequently as it did, I, I'm surprised they kind of went away from kind of going after him. I know that I the Atlanta did pull him off the field at one point. Yeah. I would like this a little bit more from Romeo Dobbs. That's exactly what I was gonna say. I was pulling up the numbers just to you know see what the what the numbers were. I think so he had 20, didn't he? He had two catches for 30 yards. So really actually only 14. I mean Jordan loved 14 and 25, which isn't great, it's not bad. Uh the passer rating of 113.5, which is pretty good. Three touchdowns, no picks. Uh was sacked one time for eleven yards. But really looking at the offensive numbers here from Green Bay. Um, 84 rushing yards. AJ Dillon had 55. Jordan Love had 23. Emmanuel Wilson had five. And then Patrick Taylor, one carry for one yard. Dontavian Wicks was the leading receiver, two catches for 40 yards. Jordan, or Jaden Reed, excuse me, had four for 37. Romeo Dobbs two for 30. Luke Musgrave, two for 30. Then uh, AJ Dillon, one for eight. Samari Torrey, one for six. Josiah DeGuara, two for six. Uh, Patrick and Taylor and Malik Heath both getting targets but not catches. Uh, Jaden Reed had eight targets. So, you know, not probably true, eight targets. But I guess what surprises me is scheming away from going to Luke Musgrave and Romeo Dabbs, where they both only had three targets.
1: Yeah. And I do, I do think that... I mean, we we know love doesn't have to throw it forty times for them to win win games, but I would would like to see a little bit more completions. I mean, he what was he at fifty
0: percent? Uh, just over. I think it ends up being roughly fifty-six. They're about uh, fifty-eight, I believe. So I'd like I'd
1: like to see that come up a little bit more in the in the 60s at least. Oh, you are after-
0: you are right. S56 did the math. Yeah, so who's good at math? Hey, I never claimed I was great. I just thought I was pretty good. You,
1: you said it <laughs> earlier in the
0: episode. I don't think that's true. Yes, it is. I know we said it before the episode, but I don't think I said it in the episode. Oh, you didn't say it in the ep- okay. It was
1: before the episode then. Yeah. So. But, yeah, that's one thing I'd like to see a little bit – get up a little bit more, get up in the 60s at least
0: and just – I'm going to be honest, though. I would like to see a few more attempts. I mean, 20 – by no means is 25 bad. Right. I mean, in the Chicago game, he was, what, uh, 15-27. So I think if you can maybe push that to 32, 33, and be okay. I think you can live with that. And, you know, kind of looking at both games, I mean, the Chicago game was a route, and they brought on Sean Clifford early, so you don't really have to pass. Uh, Mm -hmm. The Atlanta game, for that matter, I think they got a little too conservative with the play calling, and as that game got closer and closer, they just kind of had to foot off the gas too much. So I would have liked to see probably three, you know, really, again, you're getting closer to that 30, kind of letting him do his thing. And if that means, you know, maybe one more target for Musgrave and one more target for Dobbs or one more catch even. Because, um, really, you look at Luke Musgrave, two for 25, he had 17 on the one, which, you know, mathematically speaking, he had eight on the other. But still, I mean, that's averaging 12.5 for a first down to catch. Same mm-hmm. with Romeo Dobbs. And I know I know Romeo Dobbs t- on this game without Christian Watson playing he was pretty much not a decoy, but more or less a decoy. Right, but, to get so Reed and Wicks open,
1: but we still got to look at what what's, what's going to happen when um, Christian Watson does come back. Where, where, who's going to lose these targets on? You know, these probably would say five targets mm-hmm. more than likely for Christian Watson, averagely. Sure. So, who's going to lose him? Is it going to be Musgrave? Is it going to be Dobbs? I think I.
0: And we'll see here. Yeah, and you got to figure H, or Aaron Jones getting involved in the passing him at that point as well. Um, but offensively speaking, I think you know the the positive here is Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks being able to step up into that role, um, and and get snaps that mattered and. I mean, Willie Keith got a target. Didn't make. Didn't have a catch. I don't remember exactly when he got targeted. If it was like a throwaway or if it was a drop or you know whatever the case was. Uh, it doesn't really show me on the ESPN stats, but I think it was just a
1: miss by Jordan Love. I think he was open, but I think Jordan Love just missed them. That
0: very well could be the case too. Um, but yeah, I would. I would have liked to see a couple more attempts and kind of go from there. But I'm not. I'm not mad that they lost kind of thing. No, it was one of those where, you know, you're up 24 or 12, and you're like, yeah, this is – we're about to be 2-0. This is awesome. But at the same time, I mean, Atlanta's probably not a slouch. No, I don't think so. I mean, I I still don't think they're going to win that division. I don't know who's going to win that division, but –
1: I think Atlanta's going to win that division. They really do.
0: It'll be interesting to see for sure. Um but looking ahead, or just kind of just real quick here defensively, I mean, they struggled. They struggled. They struggled late because I thought in the first half they played downhill, and it just kind of got away from them. I think, I think dropping the two interceptions mm-hmm. kind of rattled them. You know, I think that's really the best way to describe it in my book. And then. I mean, huge games from Quay Walker to Devondre Campbell, which exactly what you want to see from, you know, is with the running game being as heavy for Atlanta as it was. Your two inside linebackers should be making majority of your tackles: 17 for Quay Walker, 14 for Devontae Campbell. Uh, Darnell Savage having eight. Rudy Ford for seven. Preston Smith, six, and so forth down the list. But really as a whole, I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of hoping for a little bit better showing late in that game. I think it was just a matter of, and it, it's combined with the offense starting to struggle when they did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the offense not being able to stay on the field didn't didn't help at all either. But, but then getting gashed, long drive, long drive, long drive. I mean, that doesn't help the defense whatsoever either. I'm not going to pretend that it does. But right. Um. You gotta be able to get off the field, mm-hmm. whether that be you know capitalizing on that interception and and getting that, um, you know, where Quay drops the one and Jair drops the one, you know, the old the age old adage, yo, that's really they play defense, but you gotta have those. I said that to my dad. <laughs> I said to Sh- I think I said it too, but <laughs> uh, Rasul Douglas does get the first pick off Desmond Ritter, and. Falcons end up going two and zero. Packers fall the one and one, and we have our slate of picks, which we'll talk a little bit about the Packers coming, upcoming this week, uh, and their matchup against the Saints. Before we do so, just gotta catch everybody up on the the picks. Not a great week for any of us, Sean. No. Um, Coming in, it was myself and Sean tied at ten and six. You at five and eleven. This week, not a great week for me. Uh, I was at seven and nine. Shauna eight and eight. You had a winning record at nine and seven for your picks this week.
2: Nice.
0: So, not great. Aggressively average from all three of us. Luckily, Shauna and myself being able to to have a good week one where we could we st- we are still positive. But we're right. Right back. Yep. So, all you gotta Which, do is stay positive. Which leads us to our picks for the week here coming up. And I have Shauna's picks locked in. You no, know, Obviously, her, with her not being on the episode, uh, you no know, trivia throughout, which we've kind of skipped on. We didn't have a draft this week. But she has her picks. And for the first time, Sean, we have commentary on the picks. Oh, okay. So very excited for this. Um, as we go, she is our reigning pick leader. So I will give her... You know, you talk about when when in golf, you talk about the leaders there and having honors for having the best hole. So Shauna starts with the honors. here. She starts with the honors on Thursday night football. It'll be the 49ers and the Giants. Uh, 49ers are a a 9.5 point favorite. No commentary on this one, but she is taking the Niners to cover that 9.5. That's a lot, but I'm also going to go with them. The Giants have been awful.
1: Yeah, and no Saquon for a couple weeks here.
0: I'm going 49ers. All right, as promised, uh, Saints packers Packers a two-point favorite at home as of right now. Uh, No, obviously no word on if Watson or Jones play. I am led to believe that I think Watson will. I think he was pretty close last week, I even to the point where he was working out on the field Sunday morning before officially being declared out. Um, he was a limited participant in practice Friday and Saturday last week as well, so I think he's trending in the right direction. I don't know about Aaron Jones, um, but also I don't really believe in the Saints at 2-0. You're right. So, Sean is going Saints, I'm going
1: Packers. I'm going to go Packers. We'll be at the game, so hopefully they, hopefully they squeak out a W.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully. Game three, we've got the Colts hosting the Ravens. Baltimore, an eight-point favorite. Shauna's going Colts. I think the Colts are going to – well, I guess without knowing Anthony Richardson's status, i I hesitant here right. uh, with him being in concussion protocol. That eights a lot. I'm going to say the Colts cover that with the assumption that I think Richardson probably will play. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the Ravens. All right. Uh, Next noon game slate here. We've got Titans at, at Cleveland and for the Browns. Um, Shauna's going Browns. I'm going. Going Browns. Well, I got burned by the Titans last week. I don't think the Browns are particularly good. But I know I got burned by the Titans, so I'm going to go with the Browns to cover that three at home. Three? Yeah. Oh
1: so, oh, so they get the three for being at home, so it's pretty much pick right. Pretty much, that would be the logic. Yeah, I'm going to go
0: with the Browns also. All right. Uh, next slate here, we've got Dolphins, Broncos, that in Miami. Miami is six and a half point favorite. I think Miami covers that pretty easily. Even if Jalen Waddell is a no go, which I mean, concussions really are kind of on a week by week basis. I believe it's his first one. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm gonna say that he'll be good to go. I obviously I don't know that we're five days out, but even if he's not I just think healthy Tua, healthy Tyreek. Broncos aren't that good. Give me the Dolphins six and a half. I'm going Broncos. If you had to pick the money line in that game, where would you where would you go? Money line, just upright outright. Who wins?
1: Broncos. Really? Yep. Broncos are going to be sneaky. No, I don't. They haven't played terrible. They really haven't. They look a little um, better than they have last
0: year. All right. The next game here, which Shauna finally has... We have some commentary here. So uh, we've got the Patriots traveling to MetLife to play the Jets. The Patriots are a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Shauna is going Jets because she loves Zach Wilson. Okay. (laughs) She has Zach with hard eyes. Okay. Um. That is a twist I was not expecting. Uh, Patriots are two and a half. I think they look pretty good. I mean, they haven't looked great, but I don't think the Jets looked good at all last week against Dallas. And I don't, I don't know what I think about Dallas yet for this season, but I think the Patriots cover that on the road. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I'm gonna go Patriots. All right, we've got. Bills, Commanders. Commanders at 2-0. and o, The Bills on the road. A six-and-a-half point favorite coming off their absolute pistol-whipping of the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Shauna is going with the home dog in the Commanders, saying, Fuck Josh. Not a Josh Allen fan anymore. Okay. I'm going Thanks. Josh Allen in the Bills. I'm also going Josh Allen on the Bills. I don't know what he did to score on her other than week one, but he looked pretty good on Sunday. So uh, next game up, we've got Atlanta looking to go 3-0, and traveling to Detroit to see if they can bounce back after a heartbreaking loss to the Seattle Seahawks. Detroit at home, a 3.5-point favorite. Sean's going Falcons. I'm also going Atlanta. I was pretty impressed, and Detroit historically has not had a good run defense. And I think Algier and Bijan Robinson run all over the, the Lions. I believe in the Lions. I'm going Lions. All right. Two more noon games here. Uh, we have the Texans and Jaguars. The Jaguars at home, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite at one-and-one. I think they bounce back after a, a close, tough loss to Kansas City. I'm gonna go Jaguars at that ten, that nine and a half's a lot, but I believe in them as does shaman. Yeah, so do I. All right, our truly, I think you know we always find one game that's kind of our ugly game of the week. This, I think, would be it. Chargers at 0 two, Vikings at 0 two in Minnesota. Truly, pick them even game. Which I mean, if you're reading into it, would be a three-point favorite for the Chargers, but with them being on the road. Shauna's going with the Vikings over the Chargers. I think I'm going to go the same way. I think the Vikings have faced two off or two awful defenses against you know, that they've gone against. Two really good defenses, for that matter, but two awful matchups for them. Mm-hmm. And I think they're able to bounce back uh in this one and kind of get their first win. I think they're due for a win. Um Justin Jefferson's played really well. I think Alexander Madison finally, you know, shows out and proves the world of, you know, why he was made the undisputed RB one of the Vikings. So I, I'm believing in the Vikings this week. Uh, TJ Hawkinson after the big week he had last week as well, so I think he looks to build on that. And I, like I said, I think the Vikings get their first win. And the Chargers are in some trouble at zero and three in that division. I I think you're
1: wrong. I'm going Chargers. For what reason? <laughs> I think they're the better team than Minnesota. They got all the weapons. I mean, they got better weapons than what. Minnesota does, and a better quarterback.
0: I Minnesota would largely does. agree with you outside of Justin Jefferson, so I, I guess I'll agree with you. Um, total, total, total wise. I will say it also depends if Austin Eckler plays. I don't believe that he is. He, he's not ruled out yet. Right. So, if Austin Eckler plays, I'll I'll caveat this with I think I would agree with you. But if he is not, that is going to be a happy swing, Minnesota, and I think they finally get their first win. Uh, First of the afternoon slate, we've got Panthers traveling to Seattle. Seattle's a a five-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I think that's about right. That's where I see that kind of falling out. I think the Panthers aren't that good yet. I think they're showing signs of growth with the rookie quarterback, but... He also is so short he didn't know who his center was this last week. So uh, I'll take the Seahawks for now to cover that, 5.5, as is Shauna. Yep, same. All right, Sean. these next two games, something you don't see a whole lot in the NFL, but we've got Cowboys-Cardinals. Cowboys a 12-point favorite on the road against the Cardinals. Cowboys have been nothing short of dominant so far. Cardinals have been feisty, uh, playing both the Giants and the Commanders. So three straight weeks of NFC East opponents for the Cardinals. That 12 a lot, but I'm going to go with Shauna here, and I'm, I'm going to say the Cowboys cover that They are just too talented.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that defense is going to put up 30 points again for
0: fantasy. I am glad I'm not playing against them this week. <laughs> All right. We've got Kyle, or Bears and Chiefs. Another afternoon slate in Kansas City. The Chiefs, a 12 and a half point favorite in that one. Shauna has uh, two big hard eyes and a smiley face for Travis. She's a big Travis Kelsey fan as of late as well. Which, I, for her credit, I will say, not a Taylor Swift thing, definitely a new heights thing and TikTok thing. Um and she has also watched the Kelsey Do- Kelsey Brother documentary, which is on Amazon, which was pretty good, I will say. If you have Amazon Prime, by all means check that out. But uh, she's going the twelve and a half to the Chiefs. I'm i that's that seems like easy money. Give me the give me the Chiefs to cover that.
1: You know what? I'm going to be different. I'm going to go with the Bears. Bears is going to cover that 12-and-a-half. They're not going to lose. They're going to lose by a touchdown. Really? That is a bold claim. Finally get something going here.
0: All right. (laughs) All right. Three more games to pick through here, Sean. We've got Steelers-Raiders on Sunday Night Football. The Steelers, a a two-and-a-half-point dog. Uh, Raiders favored by the two and a half. Sean is going with the Steelers on the road after their Monday night football win. I am inclined to go that same way. This is also a game I don't want to touch if I'm actually putting money down because I don't think the Steelers looked really good, but they were better than Cleveland. Um, The defense was really good, and I think that bodes well for them against the Raiders. Uh, especially not knowing Devontae Adams' status either. I know he had left the field with injury this last week. So I guess I'm going to go with with the Steelers as well to cover that two and a half as a road dog. I'm going Raiders. I'm just trying to see if I have any Devontae Adams news here do not see anything official here so we're going to leave that as is. And then we got two Monday night football games this week once again which I I love. I love that back that dual slot mm-hmm. Monday night football. Um Eagles Buccaneers the Eagles are f- only a 5-point favorite they are in Tampa Bay. Uh matchup of two two and 0 teams which I don't think anybody counted on. Uh, Shauna's going with the Eagles, which, again, she, she's loving on the Kelsey brothers. She's got two hard eyes, a smiley face, and Kelsey.
2: So, yeah, I agree with her, though. I'm going Eagles.
0: I'm going to pick the Bucks to cover this. I think they have been surprisingly good of, offensively. The Eagles can't close teams out for whatever reason. And allow games to get a lot closer than they ought to, even if they are garbage points at the end. So give me the Buccaneers to cover that. I probably would put the Eagles on a money line outright winner pick. But for five points, I think Baker, Godwin, and Evans keep that close enough. And then the final slate, we have a rematch of two Super Bowls to go. We've got Rams, Bengals... Cincinnati is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And Shauna's last piece of, of commentary here, she is going with the Rams, saying Ooh. Joey sucks. She is off the Joe Shiesty train after two bad weeks and watching Jamar Chase struggle for two weeks.
2: I don't know what to do with this one. Two-and-a-half... At home,
0: primetime audience. I'm gonna go with the Bengals. I I have no reason to say this other than I think they are overdue for the bounce back. But they had two straight division opponent games, so I, that never helps. But I don't love that
1: pick. No, you you really can't.
0: But uh, I'm I'm going Bengals also. I just can't talk myself into the Rams right no, now. No, I can't either. But I have an ugly feeling. There are three games I don't want to touch with a 10 foot pole, and that is one of those three. Mm hmm. 100%. All right. Sean, I'm going to give you our bar of the week. As we had kind of talked about, I don't know if you had figured this out, the name of it out or not.
1: No, um, I didn't. I didn't work on this.
0: So, which, uh, is it Rachel's Roadside Bar and Grill? Which which one am I going with? Uh, we're going go with your Wittenberg Bar. You stop on your way to Haydays. Yes, Rachel. All right. So, Rachel's Roadside Bar and Grill, four point five stars on Google reviews. Sean, I will let you set the scene, and then I will find some reviews here. Uh, just just a nice little nice little fun bar.
1: They actually got a pool table set up outside. They got the little hook and ring game set up outside. And just some really, a really good bartender and just a cool Wisconsin dive divey type bar.
0: All right. Just looking at a couple of the different uh, reviews here. Uh Wow. Want a large burger? Here you go. Nine of us went today. All ordered different food. No complaints. Great service. Good food. Priced about right for the size of the portions. Tons of seating if you need outside seating. Good drinks, too. Um, another one here says, good food. Lots of drink options. Everything came out hot and quickly. I enjoyed just playing cards and enjoying a meal and drink with friends. So plenty of flat-story reviews. Uh, definitely got to check that out. Some different reviews. You know, Some different food I'm seeing here. I'm seeing shrimp tacos i'm seeing something with lobster involved yeah it seemed seemed
1: like they had a little bit different stuff every night or different specials every every week
0: or so so rachel's roadside bar and grill in wittenberg our bar of the week and with that sean is real quick here because i know it's getting late your route for for the upcoming week no, uh, I'm going with the
1: Packer game on Sunday. All right. I'm going with Carolyn because she didn't want to go to a cold game, so we're going to a nice warm game, hopefully. <laughs> uh, I'm going for a Packer W. Uh,
0: your weather right now looking with a high of 71, a little cloudy overcast day as of right now. Um, that's so. still five days away, so Wisconsin weather can change on a dime. but. Right. I am going to root for the Brewers locking up the NL Central between now and the next time we record next Tuesday. Uh, up seven to three, top of the ninth, just added an insurance run with a William uh single that scored Wilson Contr- or William Contreras, also the, the douchebag brother. Um, so seven three Brewers lead that one. Uh, for those keeping track, the Cubs are up on the Pirates five to one in the bottom of the sixth. So as of right now, that could shrink down to six. We probably won't go down to five. But we'll keep our eye on it and hope for the best. And like I said, just hope to have that NL Central locked up by the next time we record and call it a night. With that in mind, I'm Eric. That's Sean. For Shauna, Justin Ramsey, you are not here this week. This is The Root Wisconsin Show. Episode 127 is in the books. We're out. See ya.
1: See ya.